It's not what we try to have control over, but God, it's about a life of surrender to you. Trusting what you did on the cross, that your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, I pray this morning as we open your word, as we see the life that you offer us, God, that that will be something that each one of us desires that we pursue, that we pursue in you. So God, I pray you would speak this morning, that you would speak powerfully into each of our hearts as we have worshipped you through song and declaration and through communion with you. God, I pray we, as we continue to worship you through having a tent of hearts and minds and souls and ears, God, that you just open your word and you show us. God, let us see the life you've called us to, the life you have for us. So I pray, God, that today's a day you change us. God, I ask for this. I pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. It's great to have you here with us this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask the ushers to come down the aisle. They want to make sure you have a Bible and a bulletin so you know what's happening here at LifePoint and what's coming up. But also you need a Bible to track along with us. We're going to look up a bunch of verses this morning. You can also go on your YouVersion Bible app as well. So just slip up your hand. We'll, we'll put those in your hands. Uh, you know, it's, it's a couple weeks past now, but I really do hope you had a great Christmas, a great Christmas season. Uh, you know, I think it's worth us just as a church collectively giving glory and honor to God for all that he accomplished here at LifePoint during the Christ Christmas season. Maybe you noticed there in the bulletin that we had record attendance at our Christmas uh, weekend services over Christmas Eve with almost 1,300 people participating and being encouraged by the Christmas story and the Christmas message. So <laughs> praise God, right? I mean, amen. Last week, Pastor Derek did an incredible job talking about fresh starts, and he talked about how fresh starts give us a sense of anticipation, right? And even excitement about the unknown or uncharted territory and fresh starts. They bring us new possibilities and new opportunities. I love the message. It was incredible. If you didn't get a chance to listen yet, I would encourage you to jump online and listen to that or even watch it, which is, by the way, let me almost say it kind of a side thought here is when I'm on a, not at life point. Uh, or I'm not about preaching or hearing the message, I always go on and listen to the message. And I want to encourage you to do the same. And here's why. Because what God is doing here, there's a story of what God is doing. There's a rhythm to what God is doing at LifePoint and what God wants to do in and through you and with you at LifePoint. And part of that story and part of that message is what takes place every single week. And so for me, I find myself, when I miss or when you miss, which we all do occasionally, we are actually missing out on part of God's message for us and to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that's, that's part, God is doing something here, and, and, and he's doing that in every single church. And so when I miss, I always, always, I jump on and I listen. I want to know what the message is that God had for me, that God had for us collectively. And so I would just encourage you to do that. Uh, when I'm not here, I don't know what happens what you do. When I'm not here, I actually participate in church even more. I, I do. So Sunday morning last week, I listened online or participated online uh, with Central Christian Church in Las Vegas. I also uh, listened and participated with Life Church, which, by the way, Life Church is the church that we get the YouVersion Bible app that we all use. So I did that, and then Kobe and I went out to Folsom, and we attended a church out there in Folsom on Sunday morning. So I, I just encourage you to, to jump online, listen to those whenever you're not here. Okay, enough of that. Back to Fresh Starts and how they bring us new possibilities and new opportunities. 
Well, for Christmas, Kobe and Callie, two of my kids, received a pretty cool Christmas gift. Uh, they got to go snow skiing for the very first time ever. Now, don't show any pictures yet, um, but, but <laughs> I didn't tell you to wait, did I? All right, so go back, go back, go back to that picture, go ahead. So this is my, my son, Kobe, how he spent most of the day learning how to ski, and uh, he really struggled. Now, before we go on, you can't probably tell it's washed out a little bit there, but those pants he's wearing are vintage pants. Those are like 25 years old uh, because, you know, we don't have snow clothes. So I said, well, I have my clothes when I was like in college or something. And so we pulled those out. And he's like, the first thing he says when he pulls them out and looks at them, they're like bright green with yellow, um, you know, bright yellow zippers up the side. He's like, what are the zippers for? I was like, well, if you just get hot, you just unzip. And, 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 and then he's like, Dad, why is there so much duct tape all over these pants? Because on the inside, when I ripped them and all that, we just slapped duct tape on. And so anyway, he, that was his day. He struggled with it. But my daughter, Callie, don't show pictures. My daughter, 12 years old, she'd never been out there. She goes out there, Kobe and I, and Kobe's, you know, doing that the whole time. And Callie, she gets off the lift, and she just starts going. We're like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. And we're all watching, going, this is crazy. So my, my, my niece was there, my brother was there. And so uh, eventually, about after about an hour or so, and doing the, you know, the, the, beginner slopes, Callie's like, let's go on the, the harder stuff. I'm like, where's my daughter? Wh who are you? And so I was like, all right, let's do it. So, so Callie jumped on with Jordan. We started heading up to the harder stuff, and then we got up to the top, like to the more of the intermediate slopes. And, and so right here, you can't necessarily tell, but behind Kobe there is uh, he finally stood up. It took a while, but he finally stood up. <laughs> and there's that little yellow thing right back there, and then the w it just drops off. And I looked at it going, there's no way in the world she's going down that. There's, not, there's no way. And she just took off. And she went. She had a blast doing those intermediate slopes the rest of the day. It was pretty wild. Eventually, Kobe picked it up, and, and uh, he figured it out as well. And, and I am picking on him quite a bit there. He actually did pretty amazing as well. But, but we spent that entire second half of the day on some pretty fun stuff like I dressed super warm because I assumed I was going to be on the flat stuff all day and just freezing with Callie and so you know I had to shed clothes and all that kind of stuff we had an incredible uh, time together it was truly a, a, a fresh opportunity a fresh start for them a chance to try something new to go for something to not hold back and, and what I was thinking that Callie would be held back by fear or lack of experience but she chose to dive in and when she did, she found out that her day was incredible. It was exhilarating that she had a time of her life. Well, next week here at LifePoint, it really kicks off for us a truly fresh start or a fresh season for us at LifePoint. It's a fresh season for us and what God is, I believe, going to be doing next with us, for us, and to us, and in us, and through us. There is so much coming, and my hope and my prayer is that you will fully dive in with us and you will fully participate. As Pastor Derek said last week, let's be sure to take advantage of the fresh start that God is offering to us. We're having what we're calling a housewarming party, or our, our little tagline is hashtag we didn't have to move. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it other than this because a few of you have already asked. And, and, and the question that you've been asking is, do I need to bring a present? 
And the answer is yes. No, it's not. You don't need to bring a present. I know you think a housewarming and bring a present. The key kind of is that hashtag, we didn't have to move. So you're good. Leave your presents at home. You don't need to bring those. Just bring your presents. How's that for a lame play on word, right? But it's going to be, I hope and pray, a great day of celebration as we, as we share together and, and, and celebrate what has occurred over the last couple years and as we also then share and transition to the fresh start of what God is going to be doing and accomplishing and what we hope happens in this next year and how that's going to impact all of us. And some of us here, like my kids, our fresh start this next year will be doing something for the very first time. But the bottom line is, is you don't want to miss being here next week. So I hope that you just make sure you do whatever it takes to be here with us next week. So to set the tone for where we're headed in 2018, I want to frame the context for, for the entire year, really, in the, in the context of how Jesus viewed or thought about fresh starts. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. Jesus told you and I in John chapter 10, in verse 10, he said this, you and I have an enemy. So as you're turning, uh, uh, real quick, I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you are the enemy. No, no, don't say that. The person next to you is not the enemy. And I know sometimes we think that, but no, they're not. John chapter 10, verse 10. Listen to what Jesus says about this enemy that he in this passage calls the thief. And he says this, and and I want to say a couple words together. He says, the thief comes only. It is not a lot that he wants to accomplish. He only has a goal, and his goal is only to, what's the first word? Steal. What else? And to what? And destroy. These chilling words of Jesus remind us that you and I have an enemy, and he means business. And this enemy, this thief, which we know in the Bible is the devil, he wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our values. He wants to rob us and destroy us of any hopes we have, any ambitions we have, any dreams we have, any desires we have. He wants to kill and destroy all your relationships. I want you to think about that. He wants to destroy your relationships with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your neighbors. He wants to destroy your relationship ultimately with God. He wants to destroy your future by lying to you and deceiving you and convincing you that all there is to this life is, you know, what we can gather and collect and amass for ourselves. He wants you and I to live self-centered, egotistical, self-serving, and mediocre, mundane lives. He wants to utterly destroy and utterly kill the great life that God has for us. In other words, his goal is to do whatever it takes to make sure that you never experience the way God intended you to live your life. He's bent on absolutely destroying everything that God wants and has for your life. That's our enemy. Not the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you or sits next to you at work or who drives slow in front of you on the freeway. Or the person who brought pennies to pay for the 
the, the item, in, in, you know, you have anybody do like bring change over Christmas and actually pay with change? Did anybody, I had that actually happen to me twice. People pay like they're digging through their, um, their well, it was purse in these situations. But, you know, whether it was a man or one, it doesn't matter. Anybody here have that? I'm just curious. Was I the only one? Okay, there was a couple of you. You have that. And it's torture, right? And I'm like, you are my enemy. Don't point to spouses. No enemies here. None of them are your enemy. The Bible tells us who our enemy is. And he has a plan. And he has a goal. And he has a strategy. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 simply says this. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to what? To devour. You know, ultimately, we know what his ultimate goal is. His ultimate goal is for, he, would, he, he desires, he wants, ultimately, for as many people as possible to join him in his eternal home. Right? Isn't that his ultimate goal? Because he knows where that is. That's eternal death. And that's his ultimate goal. He wants to devour us, to destroy us, to kill us. But Jesus shows up and says, that's what your enemy's doing. That's what he's all about. So, man, I want to give you a fresh start. I want to give you something special. I want to give you something new. I want to give you a new opportunity. Look at John 10, verse 10 again. So he says, the enemy's here to kill, steal, and destroy. But he says this, he says, I have come that they may have. Remember, the enemy wants to give us death. He wants to destroy us and kill us. But I have come that they, and let's say this word together, I may come that they may have life. Now, what's great about Jesus, he didn't just finish there. He said, I want to describe that life to you. And and notice he describes the quality, the type of that life. And, And he says, I want you to come that you may have life and have it to the, what's the word, have it to the? Full or fullest. And you look at the various translations and, and one translation calls it abundant life. One translation says life to the fullest. I love one translation which says more and better life than you could ever dream of. Another translation calls it a rich and satisfying life. Do you realize that Jesus, as he talks here, he stands in stark contrast to the work of the devil. Jesus desires to give us joy and purpose and a future in him and through him. Not to destroy our life, but to give us true life, life to the fullest. In fact, the vision of our church has, has, you know, depending on how we worded it, but it's always essentially been people pursuing life to the fullest the way Jesus intended. That's what we've always hoped for, we've always dreamed for. People going after this eternal life in Jesus, people pursuing this fresh start that Jesus offers us. What does that look like? How do you start to break that down? I think Jesus gave us a glimpse of that in Mark chapter 12. In verses 31 and 32, Jesus told us, he said, he said, here's what's important. Here's what matters. Here's the most important things that matter in your life. That you would love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He said, I want you just to love God passionately. And then he goes on to say the second one he said is this, is love your neighbor as yourself. You realize as Jesus ties those together, he understood that most conflict that you and I experience is a, is a result of a heart that's poorly aligned with God. The problems we have here with one another are because the pro- we ha- our hearts aren't totally dialed in and lined up with God. When I'm most out of sync with God, when I'm disconnected with God, when my life isn't dialed in with the Lord, 
Those are the times when I'm out of sync the most with my wife, with my kids, with my church, with my friends, with my coworkers. See, what is life point all about? Trying to sum this up in as few as words as possible. You know what? We're just about pointing as many people as possible to this life in Jesus. Pointing people to this life in Jesus. As few words just to say, hey, we're, man, who are we? We're pointing people to life in Jesus. And we know those, all, each of those words is loaded. In fact, I want you to turn to the person next to you and just say this. Life point is all about pointing people to life in Jesus. That'll take a long time to say all that, so go ahead and do it. Pointing people to life in Jesus. Then you're like, parentheses, you are the enemy. I disagree with them. Here's my hope this morning. Here's my goal this morning. I'll just tell you, I don't normally kind of kick off this way, but here's my goal, is that each of us this morning, when we walk away from here, and when we spend a moment in prayer with God, is that we're each going to resolutely commit to a fresh start in our life by relentlessly pursuing this life in Jesus. That each of us this morning, we're going to come to a point when we wrap the message up and we're going to say, Lord, I want to pursue life in Jesus. And secondly, Lord, I want to point people to life in Jesus. Now, we're going to help you get there as a church. We really will. And we want to, this year, as we think about the future, and again, I'm just kind of kicking us off for the year, and we'll dive in next week, but we're going to train you. We're going to equip you. We're going to prepare you. We're going to teach you. We're going to challenge you. But it starts today. It starts today with each of us choosing, making the choice to fully pursue life in Jesus. Did you know this idea of choosing life, of making a choice? It's something God has been talking about to us for a long, long time. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. God's been talking about this for a long time. Back with the Israelites, he had instructed his people, the Israelites, with very similar language. And, and as we get ready to uh, read this, if you are able to kind of think through multiple lenses, you'll see multiple layers of truth that are actually buried within the words that we're going to read. In light of what I've already said, and in light of what we read, this passage, I think some of us are going to grab it right now, and it's going to be even more powerful than we realize especially as we consider the idea that Jesus, you know, is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he came to give us life, and that he is life. So uh, maybe keep that in mind as we get ready to read this passage in Deuteronomy 30. uh, Let me give you the context. The Israelites are on the edge of the promised land, okay? Uh, Maybe kind of like what we're talking about here is, you know, it's the beginning of a new year, so to speak. And Moses is just about ready to die and go be with the Lord, and so he's discharging these final, final words to the people who all the people then are going to embark on this incredible new journey, this fresh start, this new opportunity in their life. And I want us to notice the command that's giving in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let's start in verse 15. And it says this. It says, see, and and, and this is essentially God talking. He says, see, I have set before you today. What's the word? I've set before you life and prosperity, death, and destruction, verse 16, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience in him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. So he says, I'm setting something before you today. 
and, and I want you to love God, and I want you to walk in his ways, and I want you to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. I want that to be a part of your life. And then notice the result if we do that, if we obey him. Verse 16, if we do this, then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. If we fully love God, we will, the Bible tells us here, we will live and we will multiply. Now, now again, there's multiple layers here. We're not just calling, you know, talking about birth multiplication. We're talking about the multiplication of our life, the multiplication of our influence on the world. And what will God do? He tells us here, he's going to bless us. Check out what happens if we pursue another route than the life that God is offering us. Verse 17, he says, but if your hearts turn away and you are not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. See, he's saying if we turn our hearts from God, if we don't submit to his authority in our life, if we allow ourselves to drift, or if we willingly go after and worship and serve other gods. Now, you and I, we're not serving little idols or little gods like that, but we know we have our own gods and our own little idols in our life that look differently than the physical idols back then. But we know that that, that happens in our life today. And he says, if you drift off or you willingly go after something other than me, he says, then you're going to perish. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, psychologically. He says you're not going to last long in the place of blessing. In other words, you're going to miss out. I'm going to miss out on the life, the blessed life that God has for us. We'll miss out, remember what Jesus called it, the abundant life, the rich and satisfying life, the better, the real and more and better life than we could ever dream of life. And that's what the enemy that Jesus referenced in John chapter 10, verse 10, is all about. He wants us to be drawn away from life in Jesus. You realize that? He's working hard at it. He wants you to be drawn away from the land of, and life of blessing. He wants to make sure that you never experience life to the fullest. He, that, that's not his desire for your life. And then one of my favorite verses in the passage, look at verse 19. He says this, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you what? I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, and notice the word, now what does he say? Now, what's the word? Now choose life so that you and your children may live. You see, with every command of God, with every invitation uh, from God, whether you want to use some modern language, with every encouragement from God, comes a choice for us. We can choose. We choose to love, to follow, to serve, to obey. He's giving us the choice. Do you know that the story, uh, that, that I think you know the story, at least some of you do, the story in John chapter 5. It's, it's Jesus enters uh, uh, Jerusalem and, and he goes to one of the pools and it's called the Pool of Bethesda. Uh, um, um, and he goes to this pool and he, had been, he gets there and there's this man who's been um, uh, paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus offered him a fresh start. He offered him literally out of all the people there. 
Jesus picked out one. He said, I'm going to give you a choice to be healed, to give you new life, to give you a fresh start. You see, Jesus knows something about us. You and I oftentimes prefer status quo. Did you just hear what I said? We oftentimes prefer status quo in our life. Even if it's something in our life that's harmful or bad, and it's hurting us, hurting our relationships, destroying us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us, you know there's things about our life that we're doing and we're actively doing that's actually hurting our life. And you actually know probably the steps to take to get out of it, but you don't want to, it's too painful, it's too this, it's too that. By your actions, we're preferring status quo. Jesus understood that. He understood that, that we'll even prefer status quo, even if it's bad. And so notice in this passage, Jesus didn't force this man with what Jesus knew was a better life for him. So what does Jesus do? He asks him a question. John chapter 5, verse 6, he says to this man who'd been paralyzed for 38 years, a man who Jesus is offering him a fresh start, a new opportunity, and he asks the man, do you want to get well. In other words, you have a choice here. You can choose a fresh start. See, that, that's a profound question. And if you understand what Jesus is talking about, and if you understand the dynamic in your own life, in your own relationships, and how you handle what's going on in your life, the good and the bad, you understand the power of what Jesus says here. Do you actually want to get well? He's saying you can choose a fresh start or not. God said the same thing to the Israelites. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, the, the New American Standard says it this way, choose life in order that you may live. Choose life in order that you may live. But it's a choice. Do you want to get well? Do you want the new life? Do you want the better life? In the previous chapters, by the way, of Deuteronomy and, and in the upcoming chapters, if you were to read the chapters surrounding this passage, Moses is he's reminding the Israelites of all of God's incredible goodness. And how God has provided for him and how God has taken care of him. He's listing out all these ways. It'd be kind of like some, if you were in a funk or something and someone tells you, and you're like, man, my faith with God, and I'm struggling, and I'm struggling with my faith with God, and this happened, and he didn't heal this person when I prayed for it, and I wanted this job, and I've been waiting for weeks or months or years, and, you know, or I, I've been praying for a child, and whatever the story is, I've been praying for a spouse, whatever it is, and you're like, you're just in this funk with God. And someone comes up to you and says, do you not realize all the ways, and they start listing out everything that God has done in your life and how he's watched over you and how he's protected you and how he's looked after you and how he got you through those hard times and how he got you through that pain and how you made it through. That's what Moses is doing here. He's laying it all out to them. He's reminding them of who this God is, and he's saying, I'm giving you a choice for that. You can go after that. You can take that. It is your choice to choose the fresh start. And then he went on and he said, I just want to be clear about what I'm talking about. Choose life in order that you may live. And then in verse 20, he says this. In fact, uh, Steve, I think I forgot to put it on the screen. Uh, maybe we get it for next service. He said this, for the Lord is your life. Choose life. Whose life? The Lord God is your life. Jesus said something very similar, didn't he? In John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth. You guys know the verse, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
There's a, a song by Hillsong that I, I'm not sure if we sing it here or maybe the students sing it. It's called Real Love. And in the song, the words, uh, uh, part of the words say this, suddenly brought to life when I met you. And this is real love. Real life is when we're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Life comes through knowing Jesus. And God said in Deuteronomy, you must choose life, which means you must choose Jesus. He will provide life to you and I. He will provide it to the fullest. I love Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It says, live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as those who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. He's saying, you and I understand it. We go to church. Even if we're not dialed into it yet, we know it here. We've heard about it. We know, we, we live life as if you understand the meaning and the purpose of life. Not like those who don't understand. You and I, we all know that real life is in Jesus. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. He says, let's, let's look at it again. He says, choose life. The New Testament would say now that you and I on this side of, you know, uh, of Jesus, we would understand that that would be Jesus. Choose life, choose Jesus in order that you may live, you and your descendants. How do you choose life? What does it look like? He says in verse 20, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him, for this is your life and the length of your days. Choose life in Jesus. How? You love him. All your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You obey him with every ounce of energy you have. You hold fast to him. Why? Because this is your real life. So I'm encouraging us, church, as we start, start thinking about 2018 and what God has in store for us collectively as a church and for us as individuals, that we would stay the course, that we wouldn't give up, that we wouldn't give in because we have an enemy out there who wants us to miss out on everything that God wants to do in your life. He wants us to miss all of it. Hebrews, in talking about this idea of just holding fast and going after, there's some incredible verses. You've probably heard them before. Hebrews chapter 12 is one of them. It says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, and notice what he says, let's just throw off everything that hinders us. Let's get rid of the sin that easily entangles us. And notice what it says, let us what? What's the next word? Let us run. Don't just stroll. Don't just be like, oh, when I get around to the Jesus thing more than a Sunday morning. Oh, and you know, I, I got a lot going on in my life. This next chapter, this next season. No, no, no. Today, choose life. Let's run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes. We know the answer. We're in church, so it's an easy answer, even if you don't read the scene. Fix our eyes on who? Exactly. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And that's what we want to do this next year. We want to have a fresh start together, collectively, as individuals, and then what God's doing with us individually, then what he's going to do with us corporately as a body. We want to run the race. We want to cling to Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we want to be more committed to this pursuit of life in Jesus than we were even this past year. It's a fresh start. Now, i got to throw in kind of almost like a parenthesis, a parenthetical, almost kind of a side note. But I want you to hear this. What is the key to Deuter in Deuteronomy 30, uh, chapter 30, verse 20, of holding fast and obeying him? I I'm just going to show you what the key to that is, because I don't want you to miss this. When the Israelites passed the, the, the leadership baton from Moses to Joshua, 
When that took place, God imparted some words to Joshua that I think he would impart to us as we think about Jesus being our life. And he talks about this idea of of loving God and obeying his voice and holding fast to him. And he says in Joshua chapter 7, verse 7, he's saying to Joshua, he's saying, Joshua, I want you to be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And here's what he says. And I want you to think about this. God could have said a lot of things to Joshua when it comes time to pass the baton of leadership from Moses to Joshua. He could have told them to build a great army, to to find the right leaders and to build an incredible team. He could have said to make key alliances. He could have said amass a small of fortune and, you know, in the Philistine stocks and bond market. You know, you could have, you know, get your own house and buy this product, own this. He said, you know, make sure you have a, he could have said, make sure you have a certain amount of, you know, Facebook followers and Twitter and Instagram followers. He didn't say any of that. Notice what he says. Here's the key. Verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you'll be prosperous and successful. God says, I want you to keep my word on the forefront of who you are and what you do. How are you going to obey me if you don't know what my word is? The key for us to pursuing life in God is to constantly, regularly being in his word, and then do what it says. Why? Because Jesus told us in John 17, 17, he was talking about God as Father, and he said, God, your word is truth. Truth is found in the word of God. It's not in my opinion. It's not in your opinion. It's not in our current culture. God's word is truth. So holding fast to him is holding fast to his very word. So my word for you today is simply one word, and that's the word life. Specifically, life in Jesus. So my question for you this morning is, if we get ready to leave, will you pursue life in Jesus? I believe God is offering all of us a fresh start, an opportunity to say a simple prayer. God, I want to pursue life in you, and God, I want to point people to life in Jesus. And some of us, I know, we're like, okay, two parts, point my life to Jesus and point others to life in Jesus. It's kind of like, you know, I'm going to have a hard enough time dealing with myself. I can't get others involved. Why do I have to include them? There's one reason you and I each have to point other people to life in Jesus. One reason, one reason alone. It's the reason life point in every church in the world has to continue to grow. And it's because people need Jesus. That's why we point people to Jesus. Second Tim, or First Timothy 2.4 says God wants or desires all people to be what? Does it say up there? All people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. People's lives are at stake. Their eternity is in your hands. And people need a passionate love relationship, life with Jesus. And until Jesus comes back to take us home, man, we have a responsibility to to experience life in Jesus, but then to point others to that life. And some of us, by our actions, behaviors, and attitudes, we might say, Pastor, that's great. I totally agree with you, but let somebody else do it. Pastor, I totally, I'm on board with you, but let some other church do it. How about me? How about us? How about this? How about it all just stays the same? No housewarming parties. No, we didn't have to move. No stuff coming in the future from beyond. Let's just stay here and be like we are. I'll take a fresh start for me, but everything else, let's just leave it. That, my friends, is missing the heart of God. God wants all to be saved 
So part of real abundant life is that you and I are pointing to others to that real and abundant life that we're experiencing. So I'm going to ask you that you bow your heads. Close your eyes, if you would, please. Maybe you've been in church a long time, or maybe this is your first time. Maybe you're still exploring whether to dive into faith with Jesus, or maybe you've been walking with him faithfully for decades. I believe that God is inviting us to a fresh start, to fully immerse ourselves to life in Jesus. And so I'm asking you, no matter what your history with Jesus, will you make today the beginning of the fresh start of pursuing life in him? And will you commit to pointing others to life in him? God, hear our heart right now. Some of us, as we pray this with absolute passion and enthusiasm, and others of us pray it with hesitancy but willful obedience, or willing obedience, I should say. Right where you're sitting, you and God right now, will you just pray this prayer from your heart and just say something like this, right now, God, I commit to you that I'm going to relentlessly pursue life in Jesus. And God, I also commit to you to pointing others to life in Jesus. God's given us the opportunity. We thank you for this, Lord. My hope, God, my prayer is that each of us collectively as the body of Christ that's assembled here in this church that you, we, you call Life Point, God, that we're a group of people in 2018. We take advantage of this fresh start, this new opportunity. It's exhilarating. It's exciting. It's going to be an incredible ride together. And so, God, we're going to pursue. We're going to choose life today. And then, God, also help us to reorder our life, to reprioritize our, reprioritize our life, that we also, Lord, point others to life in Jesus. Thank you for your word, your message, your, your heart for us today. God, right now we come to worship you through giving an offering. Use this, God, for your glory, for your kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.